2: welcome to the everything is black and white podcast i'm andrew musgrove and today it's another episode of Gibbos corner that is john gibson who's worked for the chronicle for many many years um, and today we're talking about alan shearer the greatest goalscorer mm-hmm. scorer has probably ever seen a lot of competition perhaps for that title but in your opinion Gibbo
3: sure um in a club where number nine are legends the club is all about number nines and he is without question the greatest of the greats United's greatest number nine legend not just for the obvious reason which is he's the top goal of all time um, but because of the excitement the charisma of the man I'm, like every fan I'm a great lover of the number nines uh, I've been very lucky and privileged to know the great number nines the three great number nines in my opinion which was Wojcik, Supermac in Alan Shearer, the one before that, the only one before that was Hughie Gallagher. Uh, obviously, even somebody as old as me didn't see Hughie Gallagher play in the twen- late twenties. Um, but I got to know him when I was when I first came to the Chronicle as a kid. Hughie used to write a column for the Chronicle, and he used to come in and talk to us in the Chronicle. Wonderful, courteous man, called everyone sir. Uh, when he was sober, after he, nine o'clock at night, he would want to fight with him, but before nine o'clock, he was the ultimate gentleman. I got to know his son, Hughie Junior, quite well, and we did a, a very big um, uh, documentary for Chinese television on the great Hughie, and Alan Shearer did a, a piece in that about how his dad had revered Hughie Gallagher, Alan Shearer's dad. But you look at Alan Shearer's career when you say he's the greatest centre forward Newcastle have ever had. In his career, 283 league goals, 260 in the Premier League, 11 Premier League hat-tricks, a grand total in all his career, of 422 goals, career goals, that includes internationals for England. Now that alone tells you how unique this man is and not only is he a Newcastle United legend but he's a Newcastle United Geordie legend what more could we want than that I mean the big difference between him and War and Supermac is that you couldn't catch War and Supermac on a motorbike they were that quick Uh, that's one thing that Alan didn't have he didn't have pace but for me, he was the last of the English Bulldogs centre forwards. The man of power, of muscle, um, that bullied defenders literally um, and scored spectacular goals. And um, I think any of us that were around to see the whole of his career, and I followed the whole of his career with Newcastle United and at the same time with England, I was travelling with England at the same time, we were very, very privileged and boys since he's retired do we know how privileged we were and obviously through your career you've come across the youngsters who've made it
2: we've spoken about Gaza You, mm. you know, give Gaza a trophy back in the day when he was playing as a youngster did you hear the name of Alan Sheever when he was a youngster growing up you know, at any
3: of the boys clubs the amazing thing no I mean I was very involved with Walter End Boys Club um, but it wasn't the name on everybody's lips as Gascoigne was etc uh, etc. Et he flew under the radar. The, when I heard about Alan Shearer, it was from Jack Hickson. Uh, Jack Ixon was a unique man. who will become a very very dear friend of mine. Unique man because a Jody all lived at Mount Seton all his life. Worked at British Rail at the Central Station. Uh, no background in playing football of any sort. Became. A scout because he was best man to Billy Elliot, who you may remember, played for Sunderland and played uh, for England. He was his best man at his wedding. He got him into... Why don't you do a little bit of scouting for Burnley, um, which was Billy's club at the time. The scouting he did was always schoolboy level. He never scouted senior pros. He always scouted kids. And his record was phenomenal. He put together the whole of the Burnley side that finished second in the old first division uh, and then started going the rounds by the, he was the first person to mention to me that there was this young kid down at Walsham uh, um, uh, Boys Club called Alan mm-hmm. Sheaver, who had had a trial at Newcastle uh, but they were at the trial they were short of a goalkeeper and they stuck Shearer and goal. Uh, so he played his trial as a goalkeeper and he wasn't shade given he was Alan uh, and it didn't happen. Jack immediately saw something in, the single-mindedness of the man. That was the great difference. He only thought goals. Everything he did, he was thinking goals. And I always remember Jack telling me he was so mature as a kid, of about 14, 15-year-old, that he took him down to the Odeon out in Newcastle City Centre there and put him on a bus dead south which was eventually about three days later going to end up in Southampton after dead trundles throughout the country and he went down on his own and he was a man in the boy's body. Uh, that's the sort of guy Shearer was from a very early age. Jack always insisted that he didn't discover Alan Shearer. Alan Shearer was always there. Other people just happened to ignore him and he didn't. Um, But the bond between the two of them was quite phenomenal. I mean, he became a second dad to Alan. And at 17-year-old, Shearer went into the Southampton first team, scored a hat-trick on his debut against Arsenal, not against anybody, against Arsenal. Hat-trick, 17-year-old. He looked to Jack all the time, who was a very articulate man about how he should conduct himself publicly. Jack gave him all the advice, uh, be careful what you say, be straight bat and pad, don't say anything controversial, um, and he followed Jack's advice to the letter. Funny enough, only the years later, but when I got to know Shearer well, and when he was on Match of the Day, just starting on Match of the Day, um, and I did an interview with him for a chronicle, and I said, uh, oh he really is boring as you appear on television, and he chortled with laughter at the question, because he had that reputation when he first went on match of the day for being a very boring man he was absolutely not if you knew him he was one of the funniest guys you could ever wish to meet uh, he was a real mickey taker but put him in front of a camera and he was straight back and back he has now developed so magnificently into being one of the best guys in front of the camera because he's passionate about what he says he's shrewd about what he says and he will be outspoken which he wasn't then. but Jack was the fellow that that created the modern day Aaron Shearer.
2: So obviously he signed for Southampton, was there a moment very early on, like you say he scored his deb- on his debut, mm. that the bosses at Newcastle thought, oh, we've made a bit of a mistake here? Yeah? Or did that come later, Is Sir John Hall took over, and
3: then obviously Yeah, I, I think they realised long, I mean, They made a bit of a mistake, all right. They could have got him for nothing from school and they paid the world record £15 million to bring him back to where the home he should never have left. So it was a bit more than a mistake. It was a monumental mistake. But of course it was the new long before you went to Blackburn and won the Premier League title. And isn't it staggering, by the way, that a man of this ability has won winner's medal in the whole of his collection, and that's the Premier League title with Blackburn. No FA Cup, no League Cup, no Europe, no medals at all. But he always said, because he could have gone to Manchester United, Ferguson twice tried to sign him, think how many medals he would have got then, but he's always insisted to me, and I actually believe him, although a lot of people say, well he would say that, wouldn't he? But he's always insisted on me having the all-time goal-scoring record of Newcastle United. His club means more to him than a drawful full of medals won elsewhere with other clubs. Um, and I do believe that that's right. But I also believe it's sacrilege that he only won uh, the one medal. And it's sacrilege because he ought to have won the Premier League with Newcastle United with King. Do you think when he signed
2: for Southampton, or when he was rejected by Newcastle, do you think that, that, that he achieved took a lot for him to get over or was it mind focused on, on proving people wrong? No, I
3: think his mind was focused and I think to a certain extent he didn't see it as a, a failure at Newcastle United because he, he, he played in a trial and goal when he was a centre forward. Now that was, uh, in, in Newcastle's defence at the time, they weren't certain what they had. All these kids were supposed to be quite useful. and needed somebody to go and goal. Alan would have volunteered to play anyway. He would have volunteered to carry the balls in those days. So he ended up in goal. and It was a mistake for Newcastle. I, I don't think he ever carried a chip on his shoulder, Shiva. He carried an utmost single-minded determination to be the man that he became. Um, and he did that via... Southampton Blackburn, we've got to remember that Blackburn when he was there under Jack Walker, that's the equi- they were the equivalent of Manchester City these days. They were the club with the huge money that bought the Premier League title off the shelf, if you like, by buying all these wonderful players, of which Shiver was was the ultimate. And he ended up back here at his hometown club. So, I think he's more than content with a, with a career. I don't think he ever got a chip on his shoulder, no. I think the only time that he felt really aggrieved and felt what the heck is happening, which we'll talk about eventually, was when he was at Newcastle with Woodham. Um So, obviously Newcastle uh,
2: promoted by Keegan in the Premier League, you know, with Arnie Cole. Um, when was the first England or the first opportunity that you heard of, or obviously wrote about in the Chronicle, that Newcastle were maybe looking to, to sign Alan Shearer? Was it as late as ninety five, or was it? Did it come before?
3: Yeah, it, it was really because until John Hall took over at Newcastle United, they were never going to be in this sort of uh, position. The attitude at Newcastle United before John Hall was a bit like the Mike Ashley attitude now. Uh, Great money wasn't spent, it wasn't the thing to do. Um, so we were never going to compete For you've got to bear in mind that this guy was the England centre forward was the Premier League's top goalscorer, he'd won the Premier League ta- Newcastle weren't going to compete for the likes of him until John Hall came along and when he came along virtually every month they beat the transfer record for um, the transfer record fees, whether it went up through Ferdinand to Aspria, etc, etc. They beat the record until they paid a world record for Alan Shearer. So it was Hall's vision and his willingness. It may well have been Keegan's charisma that made players come and join us and Keegan picked who he wanted, but without it, it's a bit like Rafa. Keegan could have been Rafa if somebody had sat on him from above. Mine, Keegan, would have taken to his toes a lot quicker than Rafa hasn't done. Um, But it was Newcastle willing to push the transfer fee higher and higher and higher. And this was new to us and unfortunately only lasted for a short period of time. Uh, Carried on a little bit more under uh, Shepherd and... um, Hall Junior, although we didn't always buy as well in those days, uh, once certainly once Keegan had gone. But um, no, I, I mean, Shearer was a very special time. We've got to be delighted that we actually got him back in Newcastle, having missed out on getting him as a kid.
2: And uh, so when Shearer signed,
3: and Castle getting ready to go off, I think it was Hong Kong. Um, I was in America. It was absolutely unbelievable. I was covering the... Um, world cup i think uh, sorry the olympic games i think it was in atlantic and uh, i got a phone call from the office i realized what had been going on because of my relationship with john hall and being part of the magpie group uh, which put john hall into power so i knew who he was chasing and why and um, and then all of a sudden it was done and the office were going crackers and i was out in Atlanta and you can imagine I felt I was a man on the moon it was all happening here and I was out there it even made the papers out in America in the middle of the Olympic Games, the American papers were carrying stories about serious world record transfer um, but it was a wonderful wonderful feeling to think now we're cooking and this should have been uh, this should have been Newcastle going on to become Premier League champions. They had just failed, if you remember, the season before we got them, when we were running away with it, and um, and then blew up at the end. Um, and I've got a feeling that you would never get Shearer to admit it, um, but I've got a feeling that he had every right to feel let down by Kevin Keegan, even if he didn't say so publicly. When Kevin... Up and off straight after signing them. He bought Shearer to be the icing on the cake to go and win the title. And by Christmas, uh, KK had taken to his toes. I know that Genola, for example, uh, was very uh, held it against Keegan because he said that Genola was in a position to go to Barcelona from Newcastle. Kevin Keegan said to him, Don't son this place is taken off we're going to win the championship we're going to go into you win you do everything and it looked like that was going to happen ginola agreed to swallow a wonderful transfer and bear in mind he wasn't an englishman he was a frenchman so he hadn't that tie to newcastle he swallowed it to stay because he was persuaded what would happen here what happened here kk went having stopped all ago and KK went and he went uh, and let's be truthful he was charismatic Keegan and if Keegan had stayed I believe that Newcastle would have made that one step and won the championship and changed everything but I think Keegan had the heart knocked out of him when we failed after that 12 point lead with Man U he wanted to win the Premier League the most difficult way possible and that was by playing wonderfully attractive football, he wanted to win it by winning games 4-3, not losing them 4-3, he wanted to win that way, and when it didn't, I don't think he, he had the guts to keep going.
2: Back to when Shearer signed, um, do you think it took much persuasion, much thought, we know my night went through we had a conversation with Sir Alex Ferguson, um, do you think it, it, it took much thought from Shearer, or do you think it, he was always destined to come back to Newcastle?
3: I think that in his mind, the place he wanted to come was always at Newcastle, even when it wasn't on. And, I mean, Manchester United was was a done deal. He'd sorted the house out that he was going to live in Manchester. On the outskirts of Manchester, he had sorted the house. He had the house that he was going to live in. When Kevin Keegan come in and said, hey, wait, come on, come home you know what we're building here etc etc and it took him no time at all He had to go home and say to the missus you know that lovely house in Cheshire we're moving to well we're not now we're going up to uh, Geordieland and you can have a look at the the pit heaps um
0: hi there it's Caroline foren from Owning It the Anxiety podcast and this is a staycast from ACAST Please, please, please do follow the government's advice right now, which is currently to stay at home where possible. The sooner we all get on board with these measures, the sooner we will be all together again. While you're staying at home, here's a recommendation for another great podcast for you to listen to. I think we need a bit of comic relief more than ever, so why not try the Two Johnnies podcast, available on the Acast app or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: He turned Ferguson down twice. Ferguson was very unlucky with Newcastle United because Gaza turned him down as well. Uh, So two of the greatest players in our history, uh, Ferguson was unable to take the Manchester United with all his charisma and all the trophies they were going to win. You can say did Gaza and Shearer do the right thing, but they didn't in terms of medals. Hmm. Um, Especially Gaza because he went off to Spurs instead of Manchester United. but no, I, I, I think once Newcastle went in for Shere there was only one place he was going to come. He was going to come back home uh, to the place where his dad absolutely adored Newcastle United, he adored Hughie Gallagher, where he had Jackie Milburn. He was a Geordie through and through from Gosforth in the idea of coming home. And at that time winning the championship that hadn't been won since 1927 that was very realistic at the time Keegan joined us at the time Shearer joined us under Keegan and I honestly believe that he thought that was the next step and it was going to happen
2: I mean was some sh- show of uh, ambition from Sir John Hall 15 million pounds of world record oh. fee yes I mean you writing the stories I mean I know you said you were in America but y- yeah, it must have been amazing to think you know this isn't just a club record fee this is
3: a word, word. of... I mean, incred- and, and only beaten once by Newcastle Night since. That was the £16 million from Michael Owen, who never produced anything for this club, like Alan Shearer did. Mm-hmm. But we've never paid that again, all these years later. I mean, at that time, you really felt this club that was in your heart, that you love, which had been on the brink of going into the old third division when Kevin Keegan moved in. And is now on the brink of winning the Premier League Championship, two successive seasons of finishing one as up mm. you felt the breakthrough that Newcastle United fans deserved was going to happen and had it happened, I think the whole history of Newcastle United would have been very, very different as quickly as Keegan went, the side disintegrated Shearer stayed as the flag bearer and was wonderful but these outriders disappeared I mean, Beardsley went, okay, he was getting all the Janola went, Ferdinand went, the, the whole of the composition of the entertainers went, and we started getting people like uh, Barnes and Rush and John Dolph etc., long past the sell by date. And all the ground Newcastle had made up under the, the Hall and Keegan years were lost just as quickly in the years that followed. The only thing that we had, that we clung onto, was Shearer who dragged us into two FA Cup Finals at the end of the 90s, when he scored the key goals in the semi-finals. of course. We'll get on to, to Dagley and obviously you hold it in, a, in a moment, but mm. um,
2: the day Shearer signed, the day he was revealed, you've got the press conference, you've got the famous, you know, money am um, metal worker's son from uh, and then the crowds outside with Alan Robson and uh, you
3: know oh, I, I no mean, idea I mean just unique and, and flashed all over the world because this this is the most universal game the uh, sport in the world football and this was a world record so it went way beyond Newcastle United it was all over the world and it was this guy this god this guy that had scored all the goals to win the title for Blackburn Coming home and Blackburn, uh, Jack Walker disliked Manchester United so much that he, he said it's 19 million to Manchester United and 15 million to Newcastle United, uh, which was still a world record, but he, he wanted him to come back home and he, and, and he understood that. Um, and quite frankly, at that time, you, you know, you thought anything could happen, we can walk on water. But very quickly, Keegan went very quickly John Hall went, maybe Douglas Hall stayed in there representing the whole family and worked with Freddie Shepherd, but John was the charismatic leader and M. Keegan suddenly went almost almost simultaneously and with him I felt all the impotence went and for Shearer to stay and do what he did and score the goals he did and take us to two uh, cup Finals, the great years in Europe, um, was quite phenomenal, and he was the one person that was the flag bearer that, that kept us going. Uh, but before Keegan left us, some some great
2: memories. I mean, first of all, we we'll start with when she walks, first walks out on that platform. I mean, you look at the footage, and you know, he is taken by surprise because you've got. Oh. I mean, you must have had what? I'm not going to try and see how many thousand, but. Oh I a lot outside. I mean
3: the whole of Newcastle turned up to say welcome home, Bunny Lad, this is where you belong. And and even he, who is on the surface, in an emotional man, an uh, in English Bulldog doesn't show emotion, although there's been exceptions and I'll talk to you about them in the in the future. Um, but that was one of the the two greatest emotion things I saw was that day when he went out and even he was taken aback by the welcome he got. And on the other side of the coin was Jack Hickson's funeral when the emotion came tumbling out of him, which was one of, of being decimated and, and realising that he'd lost his right hand. Um, but, yeah, and, and at the time he came, you remember the... They, they, partnership that he had with Ferdinand everybody said they couldn't go together you know they're two target men they, they do they say they play the same game they won't be able to play together it's him or him and unfortunately Daglish had followed bought into that and mm. believed it was one of his I suppose it shows
2: on Ferdinand's part just what uh, a character he was because the came in and said look I want the number nine shirt and many people would have said no no, you know, it's, uh, but Ferdinand said, right, fair enough, you can have it, I know what it means to you, uh, play it together, and they
3: did, they had, they had some partnership. Well, Shearer says to this day that the best partnership that he ever had was with Les Ferdinand, which it was only for a season, of course, but he says it's the best partnership ever. Now, when you consider that it was him, it was the SAS at, at Blackburn, him and Sutton, that won the premier league title when you think of Shearer in Sheringham at Euro nice. 96 um, for England when they were absolutely brilliant it, it tells you something and um, Les was terrific um, a great great player an absolute gentleman The dovetailed magnificently can we forget the Manchester United slapped for five we keep talking about Philip Albert's chip but the two guys that played up front were absolutely out of this world um, and to be truthful I thought that Ferdinand was humiliated in the way that he left Newcastle United and even he that gave up his number nine shirt so that Shearer could have it and they could play in tandem wasn't going to crawl back to Newcastle because Shearer had got injured at Everton he was already in London to sign for Spurs and took a phone call off Newcastle. Oh Alan Shearer's been injured, would you, would you like to come back and play for us? You're kidding me? You just told him that he, he was off, he had a go because they only wanted to play one man up front and that was Shearer and now he asked him to come back. Even he, the gentleman that he was, wasn't going to do that. And, and so we lost a partnership that had been absolutely outstanding and could have shot us to the Premier League title. was first goal against Wimbledon,
2: a wonderful free kick in the last minute of the game in front of the uh, cast
3: crowd that you dreamed of playing for in front of a ball. I mean, wonderful free kick and what a moment. Well, it's amazing, isn't it? The, the, the legends of any club and they always have the occasion, don't they? They always produce. I mean, if you take Keegan as a player, scored on his debut for Newcastle United after signing them, and he scored in his last ever game for Newcastle United. You take Shearer, he scored on his debut against Wimbledon and he scored on his last ever game at Sunderland when Newcastle win a derby match uh, and he's carried off. Julia Arger oh, tackle, can you, oh, I, I mean actually he couldn't put, Julia's a lovely, I couldn't his you out of paper bag and he, he fell as the biggest oak tree in England you know you can't believe it can you but uh, the, this is what the great players do to have this ability you can almost go to the bookies and you can't get odds because the bookies we all know what's going to happen what I knew it was going to happen when Keaton came here Wall knew was going to happen when Shearer came here um, Shearer made a living out of working a penalty area which is they, they Flick knife, the back alley of football, if you like, where where all the dark arts happen. He made a living out of operating there. He didn't do it on the hoof, like Super Mac in Melbourne, running away from defenders. He didn't run away from defenders, but he was powerful. He had a sense of knowing where the ball was going to drop. He was terrific in the air, and he bullied defenders without a shadow. Um, what be the one
2: moment for you that stands out about Alan Shearer? The one, the one game, the one, uh, the one goal, pass. We've got getting the goals because there are a lot of goals. But what about the one story that you would tell about Shearer's playing at Newcastle that you would say, you know, this this find the man?
3: Well, that's a great, great question because there's there's so many. And it, it, his career was all about goals and if you if you go on about goals, you're going to talk about Everton with the, the great goalway turn and it in the back at the Gallagher end. Everybody remembers that. But for the impact that he had on me, the day he did it, uh, everybody wants to get to Wembley in domestic Cup finals, uh, especially at Newcastle United. I've been brought up little schoolboy in Newcastle winning the Cup three times in five years to begin in the 50s. Charismatic time, wonderful times. The cup final then was much bigger than it is now. It was the epitome of everything in the English game. You hadn't taken off yet, etc, etc. So it was the ultimate. Um, and to be at both semi-finals, successive seasons, when Shearer scored the winner to take you to Wembley in the FA Cup final, that moment when he scored the goal and he stood... With his arms up in the air in front of banks of black and white for adulation pouring down and um, for the elation of it that that could have only been beaten and um, if he'd scored the winner in the cup final uh, i had it when Supermac scored the two great goals against burnley in the semi-final at tells to take us in the 70s to the cup final and at the end of the 90s when Shiva did that is one off moments when you said, That's why we brought him back home. That's what he does. What he does that others don't do as consistently as him. And the feeling of thanks, of adulation, at that moment he could have walked down the tine and not got his feet wet. Um, he, he was elevated to that sort of stature. And I remember those days more than the final. I remember Supermax semi-final at Ellerslie more than the final, and um, because sometimes the wonderful things getting there, you know, the next wonderful thing is to win it when you're there. But sometimes the getting there, the day you walk out of that ground and you know you're in the FA Cup final. I mean, it was some goal against
2: Spurs in the semi-final. Oh. I mean, he's not going to... I mean, we say he wouldn't have hit a, a ball-scooter than that, but we all know he did a few years later, say against out and against Jones. He did, he did, but, he I mean, did. What a goal to send Newcastle to the
3: final. Um, I, and this was his trade. Um, and it's it's when you're living it, it's very easy to become almost complacent. It's very easy to say bloody hell, Shearer didn't score it here. What's the matter with Shearer? Because he does it so often. You've got to remember, while I've always said, from loving War Jackie when I was a schoolboy, seeing him through heroes, the eyes of of a fan, uh, I've always said, let us appreciate the great players while they're here. It's so... Easy to accept them while they're here and only appreciate them after they've gone. But the thing is to appreciate them while you've got them. Happened with BHC, happened with, with Shearer and we know that now because there's no BHC and there's no Shearer and there's no Super Mac and there's no War Jackie, so we often appreciate them.
2: You, you mentioned War Jackie there, and what do you think Jackie Melbourne would have made of? Alan Shearer, Newcastle, breaking his goal-scoring record, what do you think he would have made of a striker as good as Shearer?
3: Jackie was the most modest guy uh, that I knew, and he always felt, he he never felt inferior, that would be wrong to say, but he always felt, he was always so modest, he always thought there was going to be players much better than him, and he he wanted, he was a number nine that gave so much, were the number nines I remember meeting Malcolm Macdonald when he came here just to spend time with him to tell him what as a Cockney kid at 21 what the number nine shirt meant to Jody fans how they would work down the pit come out on a Saturday come to watch the game. the whole week was built for Newcastle United 3 o'clock on a Saturday and he didn't have to tell Shearer any of that but Shearer's dad loved Jackie and he the first thing, when he beat the record and then he had his testimonial up here, the first thing he did was get in touch with Laura Milburn and ask her to come along and be his special guest on the night, because he's a great believer in history. He made history, but he also respected history and he respected the place that Supermac and War Jackie had in Newcastle's history as I hope players these days would respect what Shearer means to this club
2: Do you think, obviously, when, when he joins in the, the aim was to win titles of course it was, but do you think in his mind he always had that magic number two
3: hundred one? I I think he did because uh, it, this is what he does I tell you, Harry Kane today is Alan Shearer reborn he thinks numbers Harry Kane, Shearer did They might want to admit it all the time, but they think numbers. How many goals will I score this season? How many do I need for the record? How many do I need for this? Have I scored against this club before? Um, They think numbers, and Shearer thought numbers, and Shearer stayed on at Newcastle. Shearer might well, if he'd been 20 goals off Jackie Milburn's record, he might well have retired a season before. Mm. He did. Um, because it was obvious that age was catching up on him you can't keep going uh, you can't be a 40 year old centre forward in the Premier League scoring 30 goals a season um, so he, he thought numbers and he did think I think he almost felt it was impossible to do at one stage because he perhaps made it to come to Newcastle a bit quicker to give him the extra number of years to do it in it was almost impossible to do um, but he did it and that is the greatest achievement of his career in his eyes and he genuinely thinks uh, like an even greater achievement considering he missed probably, you would say two two full seasons of football through injury as well when you think oh abso- absolutely um, yeah he, he had some adventures. and of course he had to reinvent himself because injury It's silly to say with sheer injury takes away your of pace, but I mean, it doesn't matter whether you're quick or not, it can, it it slows you in injury. And um, he had to reinvent himself three quarters of the way through his career to be able to continue. And the man that helped him do that was Bobby Robson. And I always remember when Bobby got the Newcastle job, uh, I knew Bobby all all his. Adult life in football. I'd done talkings with him when he was at Ipswich, when he was in England. I'd gone and lived with him for five, six days when he was in Porto. He come to Newcastle and he said, Good come up to Gosworth Park. He, he booked into Gosworth Park. I come up to Gosworth Park and we're sitting and talking. He said, and it wasn't for the paper, it was general talking. And he said, Look, the first thing I've got to do. He says, I've got to get Shearer on my side. If I've got any chance at this club, I need Shearer on my side. You've got to remember that Shearer was just about ready to quit because of (coughs) Woodhullard. He'd had an awful relationship with Woodhullard. He was dispirited. He was down. And he said, I've got to win him over. If I don't win this guy over, then I'm struggling. And he's struggling at the moment. He said, I'm going to go down... On Saturday for the first game as manager, it was at Chelsea, he said, I'm going to spend the Friday night in his room, just me and him sitting in his room talking and I'm going to try to help him and get him on my side. And basically he was saying that he was playing too flat. He was playing with his back to goal, literally the full of his back to goal, when he should have been half turned so that when the ball comes in he can spin. And therefore his shooting opportunities, which is what he thrives on, were being limited. He sat and talked with Shearer like that. He's also a, a tub-thumper in a totally different way. Robson was the tub-thumper that Keegan was. He could inspire you just by talking to you. And he did that. We all know the outcome. The first game that Robson had up here was against Sheffield Wednesday. 8 nil in Newcastle. 5 to Shearer and off went this wonderful partnership between uh, Robson and Shearer and uh, the ironic thing is of playing up front with him that day was a young lad called Robinson who had been the choice of Rud Huly to play centre forward against Sunderland uh, with Shearer and Duncan Ferguson on the bench. Can you believe that? That he picked a kid, Robinson who was born in Sunderland uh, and who said that he would have tears when he said in the programme that day, he would have tears in his eyes if he scored against Sunderland. And I thought, well, that gives me great right eh? And you, you can imagine Shearer saying that or Duncan Ferguson saying that. And he played in the, and he asked Shearer if he could take the penalty when Shearer got a penalty in the five, his five goals. And you can imagine what the answer to that was. Um, but yeah, uh, Robson got his career off to a great start because of Shearer, and Shearer got his career back on track because of Robson. They needed each other after what had happened at Newcastle following the departure of Keegan. And Shearer admits in the the Bobby Robson film, which is out at the moment, that you know
2: Robson did save his uh, career. And just how bad was it under Rutole? I mean, how did that affect was career? Uh, you know, career? the
3: interesting thing was that we, and by we, I mean Newcastle United fans, and which i one. Didn't enjoy Kenny Dalglish at all. Uh, Shearer did.
2: I think he's quoted as saying if he'd come two or three down the line it would have been different.
3: Well, Shearer loved him. He was his manager when Blackburn Rovers won the title. Shearer loved him and I think Shearer was influential in getting uh, Dalglish to Newcastle. Um, So, he tolerated those times. We didn't because we lost Ferdinand Willis and we got all these people that were well past ourselves like this, but Wood Hullett, huge disappointment for me and I think for Shearer because Wood Hullett was one of the greatest players I've ever seen in my life um, but as a manager he was very arrogant, he decided to take on Shearer head on uh, made it quite that he didn't rate him as a player um, very obvious when you think of if, if Sunderland then you pick a bench with Ferguson on it and Shearer on it. I mean, Alan always said he went, he was so annoyed. He went the next morning to rip uh, Hullet's said off, he got to the ground before nine o'clock, half past eight, quarter nine in the morning, and he was too late. Duncan Ferguson was already in there doing the job that Shearer wanted to do. Um, so they were, they were, they were very dispirited. Uh, obviously, Shearer still played under Hullet the majority of the time. Famously, the Sundling was the end of Hullet. Hullet, once once I got that team sheet before the kickoff, I said, that's the biggest suicide note I've ever seen in my life, that team sheet, because he's got to win this derby with that side. If he doesn't win this derby, he's finished. And in fairness to Hullet, he went and he quit. He went in, saw Freddie shepherd and quit and said i don't want any compensation which you've got to say not many managers the only other manager i know that ever did that newcastle was jack john do you think had they won
2: that game and she hadn't come off the bench and newcastle had won that she would have left that would have been it
3: she would have uh, Hullet would have wanted them out and shiva would have had to sacrifice his dream and say i can't play here under this guy." what do you think because
2: obviously rob lee was another one who suffered under hula didn't even get a squad number was it just big characters and all that just didn't
3: didn't with it? Some of, some of that come into it. I mean, he, I believe that he did Rob Lee to get at Alan Shearer, because Rob Lee was Alan Shearer's biggest mate. He knew publicly he couldn't not give a, a squad number to Alan Shearer, so he wasn't going to give it to his best mate. And then he was going to be at Shearer the whole of the time and then him out the key matches like that. Uh, Stuart Pearce was, a, was another big character at the time that he, he turned his back on. Um, Hullett was very, very confrontational. What I've always said we had some of the greatest managers at Newcastle in terms of the names. Unfortunately, they were great players and not great managers and that's everybody from Ozzy O'Dellis to Dalgrish to Wood Hullett wonderful, wonderful, wonderful players, poor managers, um, and it and would have spelt, one of them had a go, either Wood, Hullard or Alan Shearer, one of them had a go, and thankfully for us, it was Hullet to
2: win. And obviously, like you mentioned, Robson followed next, there was Premier League, uh, Battles for the Premier League title, there was European Adventures, and Shearer scoring in the San Siro, scoring a hat trick against Bayer Leverkusen. Um, Nights that you know, she would have, uh, have dreamed of as a young kid. Yes.
3: Oh, without without a shadow of a doubt. Um, but I always think he was he was as a player one of the most single-minded guys uh, you could ever wish to meet. Uh, one of the guys as well that was very big on trust, um, and that included my relationship or anybody. If you did. Alan Shearer, this service that was you finished for good with, with Alan Shearer, and that's fair comment. I can thoroughly understand that. Um, he learned to trust Bobby Robson. Uh, he trusted Kevin Keegan when he signed from. He never trusted Wood Hullett uh, Trust become a massive, massive thing to him. For example. He would never admit it publicly, but he feels totally let down by um, Michael Owen, who he had, a, he, he brought Michael Owen to Newcastle. He had a lot to do with Michael Owen coming to Newcastle, had this partnership with England, blah, blah, blah come to Newcastle. Then she suddenly from Ashley gets the Newcastle United job for, what, eight games or something. He needed one result or one goal to keep Newcastle in the top flight and his best mate in the team, Michael Owen was there and he was skipper of the side. Two games to go, didn't play in the second last game, said he had an injury, wasn't feeling right, We played playing the last game, never got a kick, etc, etc. Didn't score the goal, Newcastle went down through a lack of one goal and yes he had had his run in with Joey Vaughan etc etc but with hindsight and because it, this was the one job managerial job above all others he wanted and I think it's all too late now and he's got a wonderful career with uh, much of the day etc etc but he wanted that and Michael Owen did him no favours and by Jove neither did Mike Ashley afterwards and the way he handled a legend of this club in terms of promising him the job. The last time he spoke to Ashley he had the Newcastle job he, and then never heard from him again, literally he never got the job, I mean, uh, tragedy, trust was a massive thing in Alan Shearer's life and if he can trust you then you see the real Alan Shearer who's the funniest, warmest, wittiest guy. You could ever wish to meet. He is a funny, funny man. Um, but having been a superstar from 17, he's always wary of a new face until he knows that you're on his side.
2: Just briefly then, what was his relationship like with, with Sunes, with Rhoda, who obviously came after uh, Robson? I mean, what, what, what was the relationship like,
3: like with them two? Soon as the relationship was fine, um, because these guys, it apart, realised that they needed cheer if they were going to be successful at Newcastle United. Soon as had been a terrific player at, at Liverpool, a wonderful, wonderful player, wasn't a good manager, but this, is, this was the period, remember, where we had them. Um, all the business of uh, Mary Poppins and Bellamy having a puppet share etc, etc. His relationship was was fine with Souness. Um The two managers, and he worked for both of them, uh, were Keegan and Robson, That could have changed the history of Newcastle. I had Keegan stayed, I had Robson immediately followed Keegan, and John Hall had met. Uh, Robson, when he was manager of Barcelona, for him to come straight away and and, and couldn't, wouldn't, and they were in for that leash. The other half of the boardroom wanted that leash, and so it didn't happen. But we got very close under Keegan, we got very close under Bobby Robson, and the man that could have made both those dreams come true for those managers was Alan Shearer. And I mean, when I look back at the whole of my Signed with Newcastle United over 50 years with the Chronicle and literally a lifetime as a fan from being cradle to grave. Uh, our real mix, our missed opportunities were Keegan and Robson. To a certain extent under Joe Harvey when we built up after the European First Cup, but I think Joe did a terrific job, took as far as we could, but the twice we should have really gone was with Keegan in the hall and then with Robson especially with Keegan and the Entertainers and that was when Sheewe should have been the difference between Newcastle being where they are now where he is a legend with a statue outside the ground not inside the ground disgrace with a statue the greatest goalscorer scorer of all time he will keep that record for so long it's untrue because You don't get the loyalty these days of a player playing for one club and therefore staying long enough to set records. The one possibility might be Harry Kane with his love of Spurs, but can Spurs keep him unless they go on to win things? And Harry Kane, as I say, is the modern day Shearer. But I think Shearer's record is going to stand at St James's bar for an awful long time. And if you look at the strikers we've got at the moment, then it's going to stand forever. <laughs> so breaking that record, I mean,
2: obviously you, you, you still talk to Alan sure. But at that moment when he brought that record, or um, us well, talk about equalled first, knock on from from Shola, um, put it past the keeper. I mean, what was what was she initial reaction? I mean, obviously one
3: of absolute elation. What, what did he talk to you? How what did he say to you? I I, I think it was the wonderful moment of of relief because. You know your career is coming to an end. You know that your legs are getting slower, your reactions are getting slower. You can't quite do what you used to do. You're running out of time. And bear in mind, once he had the record, his season finished early with that injury at Sunderland. You know, he was supposed to finish at the end of the season. Uh, that was always a possibility of happening, especially when, as you get older, that something like that happens and you fall short of the record. I think immense relief was the first followed by huge pride, um, massive pride and an assurance that maybe I haven't got medals but I've got a place in the history, 125 years history, the club is as big as Newcastle United with 50,000 people. A record that could stand forever uh, without a shadow of doubt and that's enormous. And, uh, you know one Premier League Championship medal fine but he's got a record up here which if you're a Jodie if you were Superman no doubt Superman would have loved that, that record at Newcastle but at least he was a Cockney this was a homegrown boy that was taking it off another homegrown boy Jackie Milburn seemed totally appropriate I think you said he lives. He lived his dream
2: when people do question it Um on to the managerial spell you had. I mean, I mean, that must have hurt Alan to see Newcastle relegated, especially in his own tenure.
3: Oh, I, I think it, it hurt hugely. Uh, he's a man of terrific pride. He's a man of terrific backbone. Uh, he doesn't wilt. And um, I think it hurt that... It, Hugely that they, they went down. I, I think it soured the relationship with Michael Owen because they went down and Owen was possibly the person that could have done something about that. Um, and then not to be given the job of putting that right when he thought he had the job, and, and, and suddenly find that you don't. And then by coincidence, so you know, the Shiva bar is no longer the Shiva bar. The, uh, there's a statue inside the ground of Jackie Milburn there's a statue inside the ground of Bobby Robson there's a plaque inside the ground of Jovi, but there's a statue of Alan Shearer outside the ground now the Shearer bar's gone the statue's outside you weren't given the, the Newcastle United manager's job when you were led to believe that it was yours there's got to be the sadness there. Um, but he's such a a man of determination that he, he can't be broken. He wasn't broken by injuries, he, he was a he, as a player, he had this burning desire in him that made him what he was. The only time I've seen him lose uh, that sense of being in charge of himself was as I say, was the funeral of Jack Ixon which uh, took place down at Colour Courts. Um There was only three people spoke in the pulpit at Jack's funeral. One was Arnold Shearer, two was Laurie McManamy who was the manager of Southampton at the time Jack Hickson was the scout and took Shearer down and the third person was myself. Uh, I got up first. Used with speaking on stage, but this is totally different. There's no mic, you're yeah, in, yeah, in a church, there's absolute silence, you can't get reaction from the crowd. It's a totally different setup. And um, spoke what I thought was well for a little while, and then emotion just got on top of me. And I had to fight the tears back. Um, I came off, Laurie did a, a loving speech, then Alan Sheila got it. And this is a man articulate match of the day uh, used for speaking in public and I was sitting right in front of him You saw the tears well up in his eyes and he had a fight to finish that job it's the first time I've seen him drop his guard and be himself uh, in public um, and that was something special but he believed if his career was saved by Bobby Robson. It was made by Jack Exon. Um, on to just
2: stories about you. I mean, we can talk about the goals. As superb goal scores against Chelsea, which is my personal favourite. Where he turns to SIE and hits it from all about thirty yards. I mean, the way the ball moves. he's got the Everton goal. Um, the Villa. The goal against Aston Villa. Um, for you, the greatest goal he scored. Which-
3: you... Well, not the most important goal, but the greatest goal was Everton, which a lot of the fans think at the Gallagher then, when he swiveled and rocketed into the top corner. Because that was what Shearer was about. He was about power. He was about holding people off. He, he could punch a, a hole in a sheet of metal, a metal sheet, no problem at all about that. He, he was if that goalkeeper had gotten in the way of that he would have ripped his head off yeah and um, you know he wouldn't have stopped it with his face his face would have gone in the back of the net with the goal that's the sort of power that that she had and um, as i say the, the goals that stuck out emotionally were his semi-final winners because he was bringing dreams true uh, but a typical Shearer, and there was so many, I mean there was over 200 wasn't it? so you know, uh, crikey me, we can sit here for the rest of time and talk about Shearer's great goals. And what he's, what he's meant to Newcastle United, um, we know what he means on time side because we live with him, he still lives with us, we see him all the time on television, there he is at Newcastle United games, he walks amongst us. But sometimes you've got to go... Far field and realise how much he means to Newcastle United fans. I mean I remember going last year to Hong Kong with Alan Shearer on behalf of Wall's Walsham Boys Club where he was doing the PR exercise out there. We went out for four or five days and I was privileged to be on the trip. I'm very close friends with in Boys Club and with Alan. And if Alan allows you to go on the trip with him because you're going to see him with the guard down all the time, you he accepted as part of the inner sanctum and at the airport it was we flew in with no announcement in hong kong were coming we flew in to hong kong airport and there was fans at the airport queuing, shouting it was like the beatles for Sheila because the word had got out within hong kong that he was coming of course the found the flights out and it was like that the whole trip people stood we went down for breakfast at 8 o'clock in the morning, lift doors open. football fans standing outside waiting for his autograph. We'll come in at 11 o'clock at night after doing the dinner uh, to raise money. Fans are standing inside looking for his autograph. We went to one dinner, opened the room, there's 40 new forty Chinese fans all in Newcastle United black and white shirts waiting to see him uh, to get the photographs and autographs taken. In. The World Cup now in Russia. He's been with the Newcastle United. Russian fans who went to see him. It happened in Hong Kong with all the all the Chinese guys. I spoke to one of them. He was coming over to Newcastle United for his honeymoon. He, he'd never been Newcastle United. Supported them all his life. Getting married to a Chinese girl, Hong Kong girl. Wherever they spend the money, they were coming here. We were playing Burnley. Now there's a fix, Curdle of the heart, isn't it? Newcastle and be burning. He he flew from Hong Kong with his new bride to watch Newcastle, and would he see uh, Alan that day because would Alan be up in his box? But Alan always seems very willing
2: to to you know give the fans what they want, and that's because he knows what he cast. He's a fan at
3: heart. He knows Absolutely what he right. Needs. He's a very clever man, apart from being a very loyal man and a very very proud jolly, and he is a proud jolly. Uh, but he realizes that the people that make footballers are the fans and a lot of modern day footballers seem to forget that they live in a cocoon they live in the the wonderful house they earn millions and they're so detached from the fans in the way that Jackie Milburn Jackie Milburn used to get in the bus smashing with the fans down to the game Um, crazy, crazy, crazy these days it's a totally different world Alan Shearer has never because he's a very clever boy he's never lost sight of the fact that the people that keep you where you are are the fans and and he's always been terrific with them and his image you know he's the Jodie Hartman hard man isn't he you know the the fans love that side of him as well you know because Geordie guys see themselves as tough guys who stand in December uh, with no shirt on in snow, supporting Newcastle United. Now to have a centre forward who would mix it with Neil, uh, with uh, Lennon, um, who inadvertently put his head in the way of Alan's boot, and Roy Keane, who wanted to punch him in the yeah, face.
2: That's that's the moment, isn't it? against my and Roy Keane loses it, and we we we'll, we we'll never know what. Shearer perhaps said it like Keane, but... You oh, I think without a shadow of doubt,
3: he, he run, uh Keane up, he knew exactly who, what he was doing. But I mean, I would love to, you know, keen to oh, how I could have punched in the face. Now, that would have been a proper fight, wouldn't it? Keane v Shearer. It, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't have been Keane Dane v Lee Bowyer for the Northeastern Flyweight Northern Area titles. That would have been a real uh, superstar and confrontation between... Those two guys, um, and as long as things don't happen, but uh, it's part of the, the myth and the love of football. And I mean, one of the stories that the other one rounds when he smacked Keith Gillespie, of course, where, where in, in Dublin. In Dublin, yeah, um, and and I mean Keith, bless him, who's a lovely lad, but could get quite mouthy, especially with a couple of drinks, and he picked the wrong person to get mouthy with, and. But, I mean, Keith makes a, a living out of that story now. He does the rounds of talkings in the North East, and he's a lovely man, and the, he tells his gambling stories, and his, and, and his story of the day he got smacked by Alan Shearer. And, and he's, quite, he's quite proud of the fact. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Alan was uh, not a shrinking violet as a player. But if you're going to be a quality centre-forward, You've got to be able to handle yourself on the pinch. And, uh, allergy. Within the laws, I'm not suggesting you go around punching people like and Luckily, that, neither of them did that. Um, but you've got to be able to handle yourself. You've got to be able to bully defenders, not physically hitting them, intimidating them.
2: And he was a master at that. Um, and one final story. My was always, uh, uh, as I season some typical. Well, this other way until Mike Ashley came along. Yes. Um, and Newcastle home and away for many years, Newcastle I think needed to beat Blackburn to uh, I think w- to keep to still have a chance of the title. Then there were way at Ewood Park, and they say I never had a touch of the ball when he was playing for Blackburn that, that day. Oh yeah, when
3: we lost to Blackburn, and the, the famous we, we all remember well, the 4-3 Liverpool, yeah. but uh, but of course, absolutely, and that was. Shearer on the other side before he came at the end of that season, I think, uh, to Newcastle. Never got a kick, uh, never appeared to wish to have a kick, Um, and then this little Geordie, he was the big Geordie playing, and then this little Jordy comes on to partner him when we are winning 1-0, Graeme Fenton, uh, who's now managing South Shields, bless him, and what a lovely lad he is, Graeme. He comes on and he scores too when we we lose two one now one Jordy the the superstar Jordy that was supposed to score two didn't and and, and the other Jordy who come on as a soap, did and I mean Graham was so he, he was just doing his job but he said I mean he lived it down at the coast and Blythe there yeah and it, I mean he used to drink at the Kidwick down near um, St Mary's Lake. When he came home, he couldn't go for a drink for two years after that because of the abuse that he got for scoring those two goals and, and turning turning the whole game on its head. And then I think that's the season when the lights went out for Kevin Kagan. We've got Shearer at the end of it, we're going to have another goal. I don't think Kevin ever re- recovered, although he wouldn't admit it, from losing his dream way of winning the Premier League title. Two Ferguson of all people at the death, and um, there on a flick of a coin, uh, Keegan going the following season when Shearer just arrived. What a missed opportunity for Newcastle United. And when I look back, I'm proud in the part I played in helping to put together the entertainer's era uh, with Hall and Keegan from the old third division right up to the Shearer world record transfer, that was the time for Newcastle to become the Arsenal, the Manchester United, the habitual winners and we were that close to doing it and the great sadness of my life was not losing the 74 Cup Finals in 1998-99 Cup Finals. Which not winning the Premier League title under Keegan because I think I would be a happy man today I might also be in my grave because I'm determined that I'm not going to pop my clogs until we do win something and that keep me going but I would have gone with a smile on my face because I I think this would have been a very different club we've got an opportunity again under Rafa, but we haven't got an opportunity until Rafa gets a chairman or an owner like Sir John Hall. That was the difference for Keegan. Keegan couldn't have done what he did with Mike Ashley as his boss. And in fact, we know that because, of course, it happened. Yes, definitely. It,
2: it, it happened. And just to wrap it up, just briefly, I mean, the testimonial against Celtic, obviously, she was injured, couldn't play, did come on and score. Pelly, and what we shall say, very well-rehearsed ending, I believe, but uh, I mean, what a night, the Scarves that you're never going to see a night like that. I and uh,
3: the, whole, uh, the whole kit and caboodle, it, it was farewell to an absolute legend, and you very rarely get the opportunity to say that, we had it with, it took Newcastle United 10 years to provide a match like that for Jackie Milburn, you know. It was 10 years after he finished playing and before he, he couldn't no, it, yeah, as well. And he thought nobody would be there. And they were all old men by the time they come out on the pitch. But it, and you're saying farewell to one of your own. You're saying farewell not just to the greatest goal scorer that's ever played for Newcastle United, the biggest number nine legend of all time, but one of your own. I keep coming back to Harry Kane Tottenham, sing he's one of our own, we had our own long before them, called Jackie Milburn and Alan Shearer. My great pride was knowing both of them personally, and that's very special, because I don't know how long I'm going to have to wait, if at all, to ever see their like, wear my black and white number nine shirt again. That's good well,
2: Thank you very much for sharing your memories there, Alan if you Head over to chronicallive.co.uk. Keep to date with all the latest Newcastle United News. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe, and share the podcast, whether that be through iTunes, Spotify, or whichever platform you may be listening through. And if you want to get involved with the podcast, you can do so via our social media channels. We're over on Twitter at Chronicle NuFC and on Facebook at the same handle, Chronicle NuFC. We want your questions, your topics, your feedback. So why don't you drop us a line and get in touch?
0: This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love.
1: Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband.